Let's just put our hands together for Jesus in this place. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with Culture City, but it has everything to do with Jesus. Come on. One more time. Right where you are, can we just uplift his name and worship? Come on. Hallelujah, Jesus. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hey, you can be seated. Uh, for those of you who may not know me, they've done a good job kind of talking about me a little bit. Uh, my name is Joel. I serve alongside my father, Pastor Edwin, uh, there in Cicero, actually, which is right on the border of Chicago. But we'll call it Chicago, too. Uh, it's funny. We were talking about it back home. Uh, all the churches in Chicago, when we say we're from Chicago, they tell us, you're not from Chicago. You're from Cicero. Uh, but out here, what we're going to claim Chicago all day. Um, but we're just excited to be here. Um, Pastor Danny, you and your wife, thank you for the invitation um, to this church. How many of you love your pastors? Come on. Just, just responding to the call, right, that's a big step. Right? And then continuing that, right, and continuing going. So we honor you for that and we thank you. Uh, great job to, to Brother George Sendejas, man. Come on. How many of us just received from that word? Come on. I also want to take some time and just honor my parents, Pastors Edwin and Jackie Melendez, for imparting into me uh, a lot of, who, not a lot, pretty much all of who I am is contributed to them. And uh, just the relationship for allowing myself to be released and to do what God is calling me to do. See, one of the things that I love about my relationship with my father is it's a partnership. Because as much as I learn from him, I'm happy to say that I believe that he learns from me. Because we bring stuff to the table to each other. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. Because we're going to be talking about the now and the next. And there's a lot that I've learned in the now that is going to set me up for my next. So if you're just operating in the now and you're not thinking about the next, then you're really missing out on a lot of opportunity on what God wants to do in the next. So we honor my, my parents for that. I also want to honor my beautiful wife who's not here. Her name is Fanny. I have two beautiful girls, Isabel and Aubrey. My wife is holding it down for me at home so I can be here. So if you're watching online, babe, whenever you do, we love you and we thank you for this. And then lastly, I do got to thank my church where I come from, Culture City. I love our church. Uh, they make everything that we do possible. Uh, because how many of us know that it's not about one man, okay? I got news for you. It's not just about Pastor Danny, okay? Why? Because you are the church. I need you to help me preach this message this morning, all right? I need you to look at the person next to you and tell them, hey, listen, you are the church. It's not just the pastors. It's not just the leaders. It's never been about one person. And Remnant Church of Whittier, you displayed that, right? When you went to the park, it wasn't about the four walls, it was about people coming together, responding to the word of God and operating in faith, saying, hey, we don't know what next looks like. But we're going to operate in the now. And we're going to respond now to what God is about to do. So you guys already displayed that. Many of our churches, we've displayed that because we are called to do more. We are called to serve. Can, can, I, just, can I just address uh, something that we often do here? 
I think sometimes a lot of Christian folks get really spiritually uh, complicated, right? When it comes to our calling. And sometimes we say that this right here, I made it. This is what it's about right here. Oh, when I become a pastor, that means something. I made it. Or, or sometimes we don't operate fully in our gifts because we're waiting for God to give us that light shining moment and telling us, hey, son, daughter, I have called you to do this. And we wait and say, well, hey, I can't serve in ministry just yet because I don't know what I'm called to do. Hey, I can't move the camera because I don't know if God called me to do that. Come on. Can I tell you what you were called to do? You were called to serve. Can I tell you what you were called to do? You were called to spread the gospel. You don't need a pulpit. You don't need a mic. You need to walk in confidence in the now and say, God has set me up. I believe that God has a, spe a specific calling in your life. I believe that there are other future pastors in this room. I believe that there are future evangelists in this room. I believe that there are future worship leaders in this room. I believe that God has called us to do different things. God may have called you to just lead the kids' ministry because kids ain't easy to work with. Maybe God called you to work with youth. Maybe God called you to be a creative genius and he's given you those gifts. I believe that he has called us for that and for more. But don't get blinded by what you're called to do right now. Don't get caught up in what the future has that you forget about the now. I think about our, our churches and kind of how they started, right? When we talk about the now, right? And, and, and I just think about back in the day. How many of us have been around for a little while? Let me just see a show of hands. Almost a lot of people in this room. Now, I remember growing up, my parents, oh, they loved church. Like, I mean, like, they loved it so much. They made me go Sunday mornings. They made me go Sunday night. They made me go to Bible study on Monday. I think we did something on Tuesday, but I can't remember. They made us go to church on Wednesday. They made us go to outreach on Thursday. They made me go to church on Friday. And then I went to outreach on Saturday. And then guess what happened Sunday morning? I was back in church. <laughs> That's how it was back then. But can you help me preach this message? Look at somebody and tell them, hey, that was then. But this is now. Now, I'm not saying that, hey, the way we did it back then was wrong, or I'm not saying the way we did it back then is right. What I'm saying is we can't keep reminiscing on how God moved then and start paying attention to what God is doing, right? I was talking with Pastor Macario yesterday. We can't discredit what God did then. Because the reaping, the reward season that we're in right now is because of the sacrifices that were made back then. But we also can't find ourselves saying, man, they don't make Christians like they used to. We also can't find ourselves, man, these young ones, you can't disciple them like we used to. Can we be honest? Maybe the way we used to is the reason why maybe some people ain't around anymore. And I think what we need to do is take a step back for a second and say, hey, yeah, maybe what we did back then may not work now. Because times change, Pastor Danny. People change. 
Technology changes. Ministry changes. The way we do things may change. But can I tell you what does not change? The gospel. Jesus never changed. Yes, our methods may be different, but the message is still the same. So I'm not saying that we need to discredit what we've done. I'm saying that we need to operate in the now. Let's not focus or reminisce on what things look like before the pandemic hit. Let's not focus on look and look at what our church felt like before everybody started having to wear a mask. Let's not pay attention and worry about what church looked like 20, 30 years ago. Let's not worry about what church looked like when we were under a different name. Let's focus on the now. Today I want to teach on a topic titled, The Now and the Next. Do me a favor, bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we get ready to pray. Father, right now we just come before you, God, praying and asking that you have your way over today's study. God, I believe that you are about to challenge some hearts tonight. God, I believe that you are about to get people inspired to move into the next in their lives and all that they have for you. God, I pray that I completely decrease and that your word come forward, that it is all about you, God. I pray that you prepare our hearts for what you're about to do. In your name we pray, and we all say together, amen. How many of us can agree, church, that we have a responsibility to reach the now and the next? Now, what am I talking about? I think sometimes we get caught up in thinking that the next has to do with an age. I looked at a study, and back in 1993, it says that 45% of Americans attended the evangelical church. Okay, Back in 1993, that number since then has dropped to 29% before the pandemic. What does that tell us? That tells us that now more than ever in the last 27 years, is there a need for the church to connect people to the church community and pull them closer to Jesus? But are we doing that effectively? That's what we have to really consider. Are we doing that effectively? I think, I think sometimes us as churches, we get caught up in George. You did a great job talking about this, right, on the experience. We get caught up on the programs and the ministries. But if your church is just built on programs or ministries, you will bring people. But will it be effective? I had a conversation with my dad, and we were talking a little bit about challenges in church growth. And I was even sharing this with Pastor Robert today. See, a lot of churches, when the pandemic hit, right, all of a sudden their church, the numbers didn't look the same. The weight of their church, it felt heavy. It felt good. Then the pandemic hit, and now all of a sudden the numbers went. But see, what, what, what the reality is, a lot of us, the weight that we had was fat. See, I got a lot of fat on my body. But imagine what happens when I turn that into muscle. See, a lot of times we look at our churches and be like, man, we were heavy. We were doing good. And then God came in and trimmed the fat. But now we're lean. Now when we add here, when we're effective, we're adding muscle. We're operating in a healthy way. Because how many of us can agree that sometimes we have to look at the condition of our churches and we have to say, maybe I have a little bit of an unhealthy culture. Understand what I'm saying here. Unhealthy culture is different from a sinful culture. But sometimes when we take a step back at our ministry and say, is my culture of my church really healthy? 
And sometimes what we do to kind of appease different groups and crowds, you know what we do? Be very careful here, is we start to add groups based on age groups to make people feel accepted or appease them. So we do things like add young adult ministries and give them a space to worship and say, hey, you can do cool church here. Or we do things like 50 plus ministries and we say, okay, all you 50 and up year olds, you can do whatever you do at 50 years old. I don't know, Dad. You got to help me out. I don't know what 50 year olds do here. Right? Now, now, listen, I'm not knocking young adults ministries or 50 plus ministries. I'm saying those are good when they're effective. But if we're doing them just to appease a crowd or just to give people a space, then what we are doing is we are creating a divide between the now and the next. What we start to do is we start to say, okay, you can have your space here. We'll have our space here. And we're creating a divide, which is the exact opposite of what the original church in the book of Acts looks like. Because the Bible tells us that they were in unity, that nobody laughed. It has nothing to do with a, all the young people took care of the old. It says, no, that they all came together and gave everything unified. And see, we talk about unity in the church a lot, right? This ain't the first time you heard about unity in the church. But if we're going to reach this next generation of church goers, because I guarantee there are tons of people, not just around Whittier, around Moreno Valley, around Cicero, and Guadalajara. There are people around your community that are way above the next level generation that are still unchurched. So what are we doing now to reach the next generation of church people? We need to bridge the gap. Bridging the gap between the generations doesn't mean two separate spaces. You don't need to separate the space, Josh, to spread the gospel. Because guess what? The message doesn't change based on how old you are. The message stays the same. But you know, can I be honest here? I think sometimes, from my experience, some of us older leaders who have been around for a while out of fear... Sometimes of missing out or of giving up or taking a step back, we hold on to what we have a little too tight. And we're not willing to, to let it go because we feel, hey, I don't want somebody to take over because then where's that going to leave me? But that's the problem that you're missing. And Pastor Danny, you talked about this. Me and my dad, we're nowhere near passing of the baton because I still need him. We're nowhere near passing the baton because we're holding this thing together. And that's the most important part in the relay race. When they're running, it has nothing to do with, because once you pass that baton, if that exchange isn't done at the right time, that race can be lost. And sometimes we're focusing on passing the baton. But guess what? When you pass the baton, Pastor Danny, that means you're done. Your part of the race is over. But can I speak on behalf of the millennials here for a second? We ain't trying to replace you. We're trying to do this thing with you. We're not trying to take over. We're trying to, to tap into what you did then so that we can work on the now together. So that we can do more than what you've done and what we've done. We need you. Gen X, baby boomers, we need you. But... You need us. Why? Why do, you, why, why, do, why do they need us, Pastor Danny? Not because we have all the cool ideas. Because we got some good ideas. 
Not because we know how to make church feel good. Not because we know how to turn the lights the, the right way and we know what colors work. Not because we're good with phones and the computers. No, you need us because the promises and the blessings that got put in your life were never meant to stay with you. And sometimes we get selfish with the promises that God has given us. But if we look at our text and we look at the example of Abraham, God tells us, I, I want to look here in, in uh, Genesis. It's not going to, oh, Genesis is on the screen, chapter 12, verses 1. We're going to see here that God is talking to Abram before he came Abraham. And the Bible says like this, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse th those who curse you and treat you with contempt. All of the families on the earth will be blessed through you. There were some promises that God gave to Abraham that he was never able to see fulfilled. But he had a legacy. He built a legacy because Isaac was able to fulfill some of those. Jacob was able to fulfill some of those. So my father, God has given him some promises that I'm meant to fulfill. So just like Elijah and Elisha, I want the double blessing. I want more than what God has given him. We should be expecting the same for the next generation that's rising up. Don't be scared of us. We want to do this thing with you. But I get it. Sometimes when we've been around for a while and we've seen some things, we start to feel like, well, hey, I'm not needed. I don't fit this part anymore. Oh, you're very much needed because sometimes some of us, we can be knuckleheads. <laughs> and we can want things too prematurely than when we're ready for them. And guess who we saw that through? Jacob. When Abraham, when Abraham has a son, Isaac, Isaac has another son named Jacob. Before Jacob was even born, the Bible tells us that the angel appeared to Rebekah and said, you're going to have two sons. And he said that the younger or the older will serve the younger. And we see that the promise, the, the promise was fulfilled, right? Jacob ended up being the one that carried on the blessing that changed his name to Israel and became this great leader within the Bible. But if you know the story of Jacob and Esau, Jacob took it prematurely. He wasn't willing to wait on God. He was, God said, hey, listen, that's going to happen. And, and all of a sudden, when, when Jacob seen the opportunity, he took something. And when he did that, the Bible said that he ran from his brother because he was afraid of him. And what he did is he prolonged his journey. Don't give it to me too soon because I'm not ready for it. I need you. Listen to me. I don't care how old you are in this place. God is still has a purpose for your life. He still has a next for your life. I don't care that you were around then and you're still around now. Don't get it twisted. You are very much a part of the next level that God is about to do in your churches. We want to be a generational church. At Culture City, I take pride that we have started to learn to become a generational church. After this pandemic, like many of us, we started to see some growth, right? Some good came out of this. When God trimmed the fat, he started to add some of the muscle. And we had this couple, and God's been doing a great thing. We're getting this mix of young people and older people, and it's been crazy just to see what God is doing. 
and, and we had this older couple that came that were in their 60s, and one of the women, she said, she told me recently, she was like, you know what, when, when I first was coming to the church, I was really nervous. Because you guys all looked so young online, and I felt like I wasn't going to be accepted. But the moment I walked through the doors, I felt the total opposite. Because the young people came and loved me. The older people came and loved me. That's what our church needs to look like. A generational church. See, age isn't the only thing that stops us. Because if we're going to get to, who wants to get to the next level in their life? Because if we're going to get to the next level in our lives, and that's what helps the church get to the next level in ministry. Why? Because we said at the beginning, who is the church? You are the church. You matter. Listen, when you make dumb decisions and mess up your life, you impact the church. Can we just keep it real? Don't allow the enemy to make you think otherwise. You are important. You are needed. You are a big part of what's going to happen next. Your decisions that you do impact more than your life. They impact the church. You waiting around to, to serve, it is impacting the church. Because you know what the problem is? Sometimes, Pastor Danny, we get too comfortable. We get comfortable with how our church is right now. We get comfortable with, with how the church looks. We don't need anymore. Let me see that blanket. And what happens is in life, all of a sudden, we get really comfortable and things become... Our security blanket. Ooh, it's cozy in here. Right? And all of a sudden, the things that were come. Anybody have that blanket? All the ladies, right? I know I ain't got no blanket. I know the guys ain't got no blankets. But my wife does. My, I take that back. My wife has like four blankets. Those are her cozy blankets. Well, she, and my mom too. My mom's a big blanket person. And they get in their blanket and they feel cozy there. And they feel secure there. And sometimes this is how we are in our lives. Things like this make us feel comfortable. And I got news for you. When it comes to getting to the next level, sometimes you got to get a little uncomfortable. But what happens is we're fine with our church right now. Hey, we, this has been working for 20 years. I'm comfortable. Hey, I don't need anybody else to take over this ministry. I got it. It works. I'm comfortable. Hey, listen, I, I don't need to do more in this ministry. What, the, the things that I've been doing all this time has worked for me. I'm comfortable. Hey, I don't need to do more because there's other people doing it. The spot that I'm in right now, sometimes sitting in the pew or just showing up whenever I want, I'm comfortable. Oh, it's easy to be comfortable. It's easy when church is an option. It's easy when we put our trust in the security of our comfort. For some of us, it's, it's more than that. For some of us, your security is your job. Hey, I'm comfortable here. For some of us, our security is in our bank accounts. Hey, I'm comfortable here. And then all of a sudden, you lose that job because the pandemic hits. And now all of a sudden, your security went away. I'm uncomfortable now. I'm exposed. For some of you... Your security and all of your comfortableness and everything that you do, your whole life revolves around your spouse. And if you ain't married, you're boothing. Whoever she is, he is. But then all of a sudden, something happens. And let's go there. You're married and you put all of your, your, your comfortableness and all of your comfort and securities in your spouse. And then all of a sudden, you see one text that leads to one conversation 
that you never thought you would have to have, and all of a sudden the security and the one person that you thought would never fail you is stripped away. Hey, Joel, man, you don't know, man. My, my, me and my wife were good. Me and my family were good. But then all of a sudden a pandemic hits, and your spouse gets sick. And you've had all these plans to spend the rest of your life with them. And in a moment, your security is gone. It's missing. And we feel this sense of loneliness. We feel this sense of missing something. What do you do when your security is stripped? Let's look at John chapter 20, verse 19. As we get ready to get into this text, I want us to understand the foundation here. This is, anybody know the story of Easter Sunday? I hope you do. You can raise your hand if you do. Okay, three people. That's a, we're going to do a message on Easter before Easter. We're going to have Easter in, in October. So let me help you, okay? So the story of Easter, right? Jesus was crucified. He's then resurrected from the dead three days later. Okay? All of a sudden, they go to the tomb and they see that he's missing. And then Mary Magdalene comes and Jesus reveals himself to her. And she goes to tell the disciples what they saw. And let's pick up in our text. John chapter 20 verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked in fear of the Jewish leaders. Can we just pause there for a second? This is not the version of the disciples that we are used to reading about. The version of disciples that we are used to reading about are the ones that walked with Jesus. Are the ones that had confidence, right? Who weren't afraid when, when they came to take him and Peter's chopping ears off. We're used to the disciples who, when they were afraid in the boat, Peter's stepping out and walking on water. We're used to reading about disciples who walked into confidence because they were with their Savior. But all of a sudden, this is not the version of the disciples that we see. The version of the disciples that we see is the version where their security blanket has just been stripped from them. The person that they've been walking with all of this time has just been crucified and dead, and they are afraid. Because they don't know what's going to happen next. They're afraid of what's going to happen. And everything that they experienced back then when Jesus was alive is different from their current situation. That was then, this is now. See, sometimes we, we pay so much attention on what used to be. But all of a sudden when things are stripped or things change, a pandemic hits, ministries split, people leave, what happens to our situation? Because now your security is gone. And just like the disciples, all of a sudden the security in who Jesus was, was gone and now they are afraid. I wonder how many of us can make the right decisions when our security is gone. For some of us, you know where our security is? Some of us, our security is the church. And we put everything in our trust in the church and then what happens? One person lets us down. And our security in the church goes down with it. Because the person we trusted lets us down. And our security goes down with it. But you know what the problem is? It's because we put our, we're putting our trust in man instead of the Holy Spirit. Let's go ahead and keep reading the scripture. So we see here that Jesus, that the disciples are there and they're afraid. And then it says, Jesus came and stood among them. 
Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I am sending you into the next and with that, he bred on them, received the Holy Spirit, and they received the Holy Spirit that became their security. It shifted. All of a sudden, the, instead of putting their, their trust in man, it changed to the Holy Spirit. I wonder how many of us are in our churches are operating spirit-led versus experience. See, because the disciples, once they saw him, they felt their security came back. And when Jesus left, he left them with something. He left them with the Holy Spirit. Because from now on, they said, yeah, even though the man is gone, my faith, my security is shifting to the Holy Spirit. I wonder how many of our churches are filled with the Holy Spirit, but I wonder how much more our individuals are filled with the Holy Spirit. How many preach this message? Look at the person next to you. You are the church. You are the church. Your decisions matter. Where we go next depends on what you do now. So we want our church to be spirit-led. Pastor Danny, you better be on it. Because you're the only one we're relying on at this point here. Right? No. Because when we have the Holy Spirit, when we are the church, we become a dynamic church that is operating in Holy Ghost miracles, that is operating our services, not only caring about the experience, but caring about souls being saved. That is the example of the disciples. The church was created after they received the Holy Spirit. Of course your security is in man if you don't have the Holy Spirit. Of course your security is found in your job and in people when you're not operating with the Holy Spirit. For the disciples, it was easy when man was around, but when he was gone, they were in fear. Then the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Listen, if we're going to get to the next level of ministry in your churches, it doesn't matter how relevant your church looks. It doesn't matter how many followers you have on Facebook or on Instagram. It doesn't matter how you make the experience feel when people walk in here. If you are lacking the Holy Spirit within our churches, within your lives, that's what it's all about. If we're going to get to that next level, we need to be spirit-led. We need to come in unity regardless of the generations. We need to be, we need to be willing to get a little uncomfortable we need to be ready to get to that next level. But in order to do that, we need to have faith. And what fills our faith? Vision, right? And what fuels vision? Faith. And if we look at the, the example of the disciples here, I'm getting ready to close in just a second. But I want us to pay attention here in this example as, as the disciples receive the Holy Spirit. Because if we're going to get to the next level, we need to have vision. Looking back at our text, it says, after he said this, he showed them his hands, and the disciples were overjoyed by they, what they saw when they saw the Lord. Right? So it was, here's the problem. When Mary came to them and said, hey, Jesus is risen, they were still afraid. You know when their joy came? When they saw him. Those of you who've been around for some time, who have been around then, you know and you've seen some things. That's why your faith seems a little bit stronger than mine does sometimes. Because you've been there. You've seen what God can do. But this is kind of different from what the, the scripture teaches, right? 
Because the Bible tells us that faith isn't based on what we see. It's based on the assurance of things not seen. But how many of us can agree that when we can see, our faith becomes easier? When we can see, some people, for them to have faith, they just need to hear it. For other people, for them to have strong faith, they need to see it. But for many of us, for our faith to be strengthened, we need to go through it. I want to look at our text here. I want us to go down here, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, expecting him to believe by what they're saying, by what, they he, what he hears. We have seen the Lord. But he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger through where the nails were, and put my hand through his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hand. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. See, church, I need you to understand something. Thomas needed more than just hearing it. Thomas needed more than seeing it. Thomas needed to go through it. And for us, for our churches to go to the next level, for us to go through the next level of our lives, there's going to be some things that we are going to have to go through. There are going to be some situations in your life that in order for your faith to be strengthened, God is going to have to put you through some things. In order for your faith in your ministry to go to the next level, pastors, listen to me. If you're expecting a big God to do some big things, expect that your churches may have to go through some wounds, go through some battles to be able to get to the next level. And it ain't going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. But it's when we go through those things that we really start to see our faith become stronger. You know why we still need those of you who were around then and we still need you for the next? It's because you have gone through some things. I guarantee some of the pastors here, if they would have seen what God was going to do to them and where they were going to be right now and all of the things that were going to happen along their journey, they wouldn't be here. But that's why God doesn't show us. The Bible says that the word is a lamp unto our feet. It doesn't say it's a flashlight. Because if the Bible was a flashlight, then we'd be able to see across this room. We'd be able to see 10 years. No, the Bible says that the word is a lamp unto your feet. Why does it say that? Because he doesn't want you to see five years down the road. Because if some of us saw what we were going to go through in five years, you would tap out already. God's not done with you yet. God wants to take you to the next level. But there are some things that you have to go through. Last thing I want to leave you with. What really stood out to me, every time I read this, this, this portion of scripture and any of the gospels and I see Jesus expose himself. What does he do when he, when he goes to Thomas? He shows him his wounds. See, if, if I was Jesus and I died, I'd be coming looking like a, more of a stud than I look already, right? I'd be looking perfect. 
He could, I'm sure he can do some plastic surgery, some miracle plastic surgery and cover up his wounds. See, but I believe the reason why Jesus did that is because he wasn't trying to hide what he's been through. Listen to me, church. Some of you have gone through some things. Some of you have some wounds, and, and lately maybe we've been trying to cover it up. Lately we've been trying to hide our scars and hide our wounds. When I'm here to tell you, those are what made you who you are today. Your experience, your example fuels my faith. God wants to take us all to the next level, every age, every generation, every person, every church, every ministry. Let's not get settled for what we have now. Let's expect bigger because how many of us believe that we, we serve a big God where we can expect some big things? Raise your expectations, church. Why can't God blow up Remnant Church of Whittier in six months? Why not? He's a big God. Why, God. why can't God do something in Moreno Valley that blows you up bigger than what you ever thought? Why can't God blow up Guadalajara? Why can't God blow up Hollister in six months? He's a big God. Start expecting big things. But also, Pastor Joe, I'm doing prophecy here, right? George talked about it, right? In the scripture, Romans, he says, when you change your mind, you will be, and you have a renewed mind, then you will be able to test and approve God's good and perfect will. You know what I love about God? Is he gives you the opportunity to put him to the test. But only when your mind is right. Because you can expect big things in six months and your mind be in the wrong place. The scripture says when you renew your mind, you start thinking right. When you start thinking the right way, when your heart's in the right place, then you can start testing and God will approve. But don't go and expecting if you ain't right. Church, if we're going to go to the next level, we need to do this in unity. We need to come together regardless of your age. We need to be prepared to get a little uncomfortable when our security gets pulled from us. And then we need to expect some big things from God, but expect to go through the battles. Can you just stand to your feet as we worship and we bring up Pastor Danny? Come on, we can do better than that. Let's just worship in this place for all that God is about to do in the next. Come on.